You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 95, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be sharing five benefits of social media and explaining some ways in which social media can be good for us. If you're looking for resources during this time, head on over to the Technology for Mindfulness website at technologyformindfulness.com for tips and information about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. Is social media good for us or bad for us? On this podcast and on our blog, you've probably heard and read many critiques of social media, and there are many. There are many ways in which social media sites are designed to suck up our attention, focus us on negative feelings, pit us against each other. So I don't need to go into all of those here because we talk about those things a lot and they're all real. But in this episode, I'd like to focus on some positive aspects of social media because I don't think that social media only hurts our ability to connect with each other, although it certainly can do that. You know, in reality, our smartphones and other technological devices aren't good or bad inherently by their nature. Really, whether they're helpful or harmful to you depends in large part on how you use them. It's not entirely based on how you use them, that the hardware and software are designed in ways to promote certain kinds of uses or facilitate certain types of uses over others. But even in light of that, we still have a lot of control over whether we use technology, how we use it, and whether we use it for our own good or not. And so the ways in which we can use social media for our benefits is really what I want to focus on now, because it's so easy to focus on the harms of social media and then conclude that we just shouldn't be using it at all. So in this episode, I'm going to focus just on five examples of ways in which social media can be used for our own good. So one of them is that we can use social media to strengthen our relationships with each other, to create and maintain connections with each other, and to find social support, especially in difficult times. I mean, nowadays, many of us use social media to keep in contact with our existing friends and our family. And especially over the last 12 months during this pandemic, while we've been practicing social distancing, social media and other forms of online communication, good old phone calls and video conferencing like Zoom or Google Meets or Microsoft Teams have become a really essential way to remain in contact with our friends and our loved ones. Even before the pandemic hit, though, a study called Demographics of Key Social Networking Platforms, published by Pew Research Center, found that 93% of adults use Facebook to connect with family and 91% use it to connect with friends. And everyone knows how great social media can be at allowing us to stay in touch or get back in touch 
with old friends, with people we haven't been in touch with for a long time, with 85% of people reporting that they use it for that very reason. I mean, those of us who are old enough to remember pre-social media days can remember how hard it was to find people who we hadn't been in touch with before and just how easy it is to do that now and what great connections we can make with people we haven't been in touch with for a long time. As another example, another study published by the Pew Research Center found that 81% of teens ages 13 to 17 said that social media helps to make them feel more connected to the people in their lives, while 68% say it makes them feel supported during tough times. And we're going to provide links to those studies in the show notes so you can check them out. Now, I know that during the pandemic, it's been very difficult for everyone and young people in particular without being in school in person you know, to stay socially connected with each other. I'm not trying to downplay the real challenges that uh, are posed by remote schooling for students, for teachers, for families. I'm really just saying that in the absence of online communication, imagine how much more difficult it would have been to be trying to uh, not have schooling in person and for young people of all ages to be home and not in school, being able to have those key social connections with each other. And not only social media, but other forms of of online and electronic communication have really been a lifesaver in many ways, despite all of the, the very real challenges that we're all facing. Positive number two of social media is that it can actually promote better habits. Again, on this podcast and on, on my blog, I've talked a lot about ways in which social media can promote harmful habits, even addictive habits. But social media can help to promote positive habits. The reality is, is much more complex. For example, in the book entitled Connected, The Surprising Power of Our Social Networks and How They Shape Our Lives by Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler, those authors discuss the research into the three degrees of influence in our lives. The basic idea is that your friends, their friends, and their friends' friends all directly influence your actions. So there's different degrees of separation. There's the people you know directly, and then the people who know them, and the people who know the people who know the people you know. <laughs> so, for example, in an interview on USA Today, which I'll provide a link to in the show notes, Fowler says that uh, when we see a friend start exercising again, for example, on social media, that can influence us to change our own mind about how much we should be exercising. Or that friend may share stories about exercise that can influence you in a positive way. You might, as a result, change your behavior and you might transmit information about that behavior to other people who in turn change their behavior. Now, again, I'm not trying to downplay the negative effects that can occur with people showing off how strong they are, what great shape they're in, and that can lead to other people feeling guilty or ashamed of themselves for not being good enough. So that is certainly one effect that sharing things like exercise can have. But I just want to point out, it can have positive effects. When you see a friend or family member doing something to improve themselves, to engage in a healthy habit, particularly if they share that 
in a healthy, non-competitive way, not saying, look how great I am and look how bad you are, but instead just saying, hey, look at this thing I'm doing. I feel good about it. You know, that can have really positive side effects on you or anyone else who knows that person and who learns about that behavior through social media. And it can spread through several degrees of social circles, not just to direct friends, but to friends of those friends and so on. And I'd also like to point out that to the extent that uh, maybe certain people you find have a negative impact on you, they do brag about what they're doing, or you don't like the competitive way in which they share their habits. Social media does allow us to exercise some degree of control over who and what information we're exposed to in ways that is not always possible in real life. You know, if you don't like the vibes that someone is sending out on social media, if you find that it has an unhealthy impact on you, you know, stop following them. You can unfriend them or and not follow them. Uh, if you notice that a certain person in your social network is only complaining or posting about negative things, again, unfollow them, mute them, do whatever you need to do so that you're just not exposed to that. You know, you can control to a certain extent what you are exposed to and what you're not exposed to on social media. And in that way, you can influence what influence other people have over you on social media. Here's a third way in which social media can be beneficial to us, which is that it can be a way in which introverted people or people who have some degree of social anxiety can connect safely with other people in ways that might be difficult for them to do in person. I consider myself quite introverted I'm comfortable speaking on this podcast because it's one-on-one. I'm not great in big groups or parties or social situations like that. And I spend a lot of time alone, reading, writing, working on my own. And so as an introvert, I appreciate that social media and to a certain extent, the internet as a whole allows me to connect with people online in a space that can feel safer, more comfortable, and less draining energetically than face-to-face interactions can be, especially with multiple people. So for example, online, I can take whatever time I need to write a message or to respond to a post, and that can decrease or even eliminate anxiety about being put on the spot or having to come up with something to say quickly. And it's not just me, 25% of teens report that social media can make them feel less shy and many are more outgoing and confident as a result of their interactions online. So you're going to see a theme in what I'm talking about today, which is that the opposite can also be true. Certain aspects of social media can increase social anxiety, particularly the competitive aspects of social media in which people feel that they always need to be one-upping someone else or showing their best side or not really exposing themselves vulnerably. So I'm not trying to deny those aspects of social media when I point out that there are ways in which social media and online communications generally, when used wisely, 
can be helpful for people who are introverted or shy to express themselves by taking the time they need in writing, uh, maybe not having to make a lot of eye contact or navigate uh, a stressful social situation can help those people uh, connect with others in a way that's more comfortable and natural to them. Number four is that social media can reduce stigmas around things like mental illnesses, diseases, and sexuality. You know, many of the benefits of social media can only be fully appreciated when looked at in the context of society as a whole, whether that be a local community within the United States or or the world as a whole. For example, social media has sparked a lot of awareness and an ongoing conversation about mental illness and mental health in general in a very significant way within just a few years with notable celebrities such as Dwayne Johnson, Adele, and Demi Lovato opening up about their struggles. So that's a good example. When celebrities open up, although they may not be people we know directly, when they post very personal, vulnerable experiences online, It can help other people who feel that they're struggling with those kinds of experiences on their own and who may feel like they're the only person who's had that experience. It can be very validating and normalizing for people. Another example is that there are nonprofits and social campaigns that have made some some significant efforts to shift the narrative around diseases and sexuality. As just one example, the Stigma Project uses their social media to lower the HIV infection rate and neutralize stigma about HIV through education. I'd say more generally, if you have an illness that is rare or unusual or stigmatized, you might be the only person in your family or your social circle or your community who has that disease or condition. But online, it can be a lot easier to find people who are in the same boat as you because you have the entire world to search through. People from many different countries can join together because they have that common characteristic. And I'm just using an an illness or a physical condition or perhaps a, a, a psychological condition as examples. But anything that has a social stigma associated with it, and particularly if you are in the minority, It's easier to find often other people in the minority online than it is to find other people in that minority with you in person. And you can then communicate and share with other people online in a way that feels safe. You can be anonymous, for example, uh, if that's uh, comfortable to you and maybe even necessary to you in order to not expose yourself. You can communicate with other people in the same boat as you without having to let your family or friends or other people know who might stigmatize you or hold it against you. You know, those are all things which you might be able to do in the physical world, but which might be quite difficult, you know, to travel to a meeting in person somewhere to meet with people in a group, whereas online it can be can be much easier. And, you know, I mentioned sexuality We know there's been a lot of progress in recent years in acceptance of people with uh, different forms of sexuality and and, uh, sexual identity, but there's still a lot of stigma attached to 
non-traditional sexual identities and ways of identifying oneself. And online, it can be much easier, again, to find, bond with, communicate with people, understanding of you than it can be sometimes to do that in person. And for my fifth and final way in which social media can be beneficial to us is that organized social media programs can help students to perform better in school and even improve attendance. This might be the most surprising benefit given the challenges that teens and young adults face on social media that are often very rightly highlighted because, again, social media can contribute to anxiety, even depression among young people. And I don't want to dismiss or minimize that. But um, according to at least one study by the National School Boards Association, more than half of students use social media to discuss school assignments. Can that be used to cheat? Yes, it can be. But it can also be used to just talk about, share, learn from other students. I remember when I, particularly when I was in college, this was done in person, not online, but just studying with, sharing with other students was an incredible way that I had to learn outside of the classroom. I I don't think I would have made it through college if I didn't have other students to talk to. They wouldn't even necessarily be in my class. They could just be people who knew something about the class I was in. Maybe they took the class before or they had some other knowledge. I mean, that social communication among students outside of the classroom is so critical for learning. And social media can be a platform for that kind of communication. Another study by Reynold Junko found that freshmen in college use social media to integrate themselves into their new school, to build friendships, and that activity on social media even reduces the risk of dropping out. And now during the pandemic, when there's so much schooling is being done remotely, I think that's even more critical to maintaining social relationships among students. So that's just an example of five points five ways in which social media can be beneficial to us. I wanted to talk about this today, again, because on Technology for Mindfulness, we do, rightly so, talk about so many ways in which in which social media can be harmful. I wanted to make clear that, you know, it's not only harmful. The reality is very, very complex. I know I want to stress that it's up to all of us to find the ways in which social media can be beneficial to us to enjoy those things while being mindful of the harms so that we can avoid those to the extent possible, right? It's it's important to be aware of, mindful of, and take action based on the full range of features and consequences of social media rather than just labeling it as all good or all bad. So take note of some of these positive effects of social media use and If there's ways in which I pointed out how it can be helpful that you haven't taken advantage of or could take more advantage of, I hope that that would be helpful to you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin. I hope this podcast has been of value to you to help you to understand the positive aspects of social media 
and to give you some ideas about how you can best manage your use and habits to reap the rewards of social media. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, rate and review and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast.